Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and this is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is with someone that I admire and respect very much. Her name is Danica Patrick, and she is, I'm sure you guys are familiar with her, uh, she's the most successful woman in the history of American open wheel car racing. Um, she's an author, she's an entrepreneur, she is a deep feeler and a thinker, um, and I'm so grateful to get to share this conversation with you guys today. Uh, we get into a lot around polarity, masculine-feminine relationship. We get into a lot around intimacy, um, deeply stored patterns brought on from childhood that we might may or may not even realize exist. Uh, really fun conversation, and I'm really grateful for Danica being so open and vulnerable and expressive in this conversation. We also talk about her experience as a, the greatest race car driver of all time, the greatest female race car driver. Uh, so really cool. I'm really grateful to get to share this time with her. And uh, I want to thank you guys for leaving us reviews, uh, subscribing to this so you get each week's episode. I'm going to read a review from Gary Aloff. They say, five star, love your podcast. They say, Dr. Jill, exclamation point. I like that. Simple, to the point. Thank you, Gary Aloff, for leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, all right, that is it. That is all. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with anxiety? I guess we're starting the sure. podcast. Um, I don't really have it. Get the hell out yeah, of here. It's a, it's a topic I'm a little fascinated with because um, I don't experience it. I've had it. I had it now, I'd say like four times. And the the first few uh, were what I've become to realize is it, it's a it's biofeedback to my environment. So usually to someone that I am mm. highly entangled with, and so I can feel them. I can feel it, and I have really big like. energetic buffer. Like I don't, I don't take on people's feelings, but like when it gets high enough, I can. And again, it's only happened a few times and it felt like anxiety. Like, I mean, it was anxiety because I didn't know if it was mine or not. So like becoming more autonomous in my feelings and checking in with myself and knowing how I'm doing gives me the information as to whether or not it's mine or someone else's. And when it first, the first couple times it happened, I didn't know what it was. Like I thought it was mine. I was spiraling on a thought. I couldn't choose a good thought. And then like mm. one time I remember it was so out of context. I'm like crying and I'm like, this isn't mine. I don't know what this is, but I don't get anxiety really. I, it's not my own necessarily. I think a lot of times it's biofeedback and I'm, Obviously, maybe maybe it's a little bit sometimes my own, but um, I mean, it doesn't mean I don't um, get anxious about something, but I think there's a pretty big difference between getting anxious about something or thinking about something and having actual anxiety. As so you haven't felt, condition. you haven't felt like an ongoing, like a sensation of almost like, oh, like I feel like I, I need to run or I feel like a little like squirmy. No. in my skin a bit you've never you don't you don't identify you don't even know what i'm talking about um i'm not disappointed i'm just like i'm like yeah, impressed no, I'm it's like, just How's different that? um so give me a little bit more context to while you're drinking your danger coffee i think that's what the, 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 no it's not coffee oh, no 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 water? this is a uh, cacao 
and relaxation <laughs> okay with whipping with whipping cream okay. um yeah uh yeah go say say a little bit more like when you say squirming in your skin like give me some more um some more some some more feeling there just like your your heart feels like it's kind of moving a little faster than is necessary uh-huh. your guts feel a little uh-huh. almost like instead of just, just like relaxed and Tight. nestled Tight. in to your abdomen yeah they feel like almost like sure. they're like wrenched a little bit and it's like yep. oh like i'm not resting yep. into this moment yep. right now i feel like i need to do something but i don't really know exactly mm-hmm. what it is yeah that's what i call biofeedback like that's my biological biofeedback? feedback loop to my environment so oh, sure. yeah so yeah. yes i've felt that before and um, you know, I think I'm still working on figuring out exactly always what it is, but I, I think it's a learning discernment between, um, you know, if it's my own thoughts spiraling or if it's something I'm getting energetically from someone else. And I don't always know that I don't, I don't get like that often. Um, but, but I, I know what you're talking, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. We had a conversation on your podcast like a week ago or something, and um, now I'm very excited for the opportunity for it to be like, I'm like interviewing you. I feel like we're just having a conversation, but I also, there are specific directions that I want to go in relation to you. Okay. Um, and and a part of those directions, one of the, one of the, the several things was you come from a world that would have almost by necessity forced you into a place of forcing perhaps some level of like, um, I don't know, like, like imposed masculinity, drive protection, like I can do it kind of, kind of thing. Like, you know, don't, don't you doubt me, you know, and it can, I would imagine that could express as being perceived as maybe a little bit like hardened or maybe experienced as that way. And you're a woman. I I wonder how that, and and I think that like the, for many women, the disposition that feels really good is to feel surrendered and feel soft and and feel like mm-hmm. all of those things. And having that driven masculine is also feels good too. It's it's not like a mm-hmm. sex thing. It's just like an energy mm-hmm. thing that mm-hmm. all sexes yeah, can, can hold. How has that experience been with you? How did that feel? Did that always feel appropriate? Am I misspeaking? Was there some unwinding or untangling with that? Like your experience of femininity mm-hmm. in this masculine dominated mm-hmm. world how was that and how have you navigated that now, whatever it's been five years or whatever years later since? Yeah. yeah great question. And, um, absolutely something that I, I'm not clear about. Um, and I don't, I don't have all the answers to that. I can say that my nature is quite strong. Um, I'm an Aries. I'm like, first child. I mean, there's only two of us, but like I have a lot and there's a lot in me that's already quite driven and competitive. Um, but then when that gets cultivated from 10 on and you know, my first memories really are really only from 10 on, um, which is kind of weird, but that was when Hmm. I developed a relationship with my dad because he worked all the time. And that's probably why I developed more of an abandonment wound because he wasn't there all the time because he was working. So now I'm trying to win his love and keep him around. So now I do, now I do the thing and the thing is racing and he's hard on me and, you know, emotionally disconnected and all the things that I attract later in my life through all the relationships. And, um, I go to England when I'm 16, I live there for three years racing 
And I learned the first year I'm there, not even the first year, the first few months I'm there, that by being very open and transparent bites me in the ass because not everyone is trustworthy and not everyone has my best intention at heart. So now I come back from England at 19, cold and closed off on top of all those things. And then I am, now I'm 19. I am an IndyCar driver by 23. And what, what happened? What happened in England? Did you get your heart broken by an English guy? <laughs> um, um, I get, I don't know. I think there was like teenage heartbreak. Like, I don't think it was true like love, but it was, you know, I had a relationship that didn't go well. And then I liked a guy and that didn't like, that was a, like a non-reciprocal thing when I eventually liked him before, after he liked me, like there was some trauma things in there that made me wonder if I was good enough or good looking enough or funny enough yeah. or any of the things. But, and, and, and so, you know, and then I'm in an environment with teenage guys with egos and they, you know, I'm not included in their fun. Like their fun is going to a bar and a club and hooking up with girls. And like, like if I wasn't a part of that, which you're only a part of that for a little while, if you are a part of that, um, you know, I don't get included in that. So now I'm, and, and they're also like young with egos. And so they don't like getting beat by me and they don't, you know, have the highest of, you know, sort of integrity with the way that they treat me. And so, you know, that was my experience. I didn't really come away with any new, any real friends from England, um, no matter yeah, guy or girl. So then I come back at 19. I'm an Indy car driver by 23. And like by my fourth race was the Indy 500 and my fourth race in an Indy car. And I just about qualified on the pole and I just about won the race. And like all the world blew up, you know, and, you know, it, I became really popular all of a sudden. Like, I mean, I felt like I was popular before, but there's always new levels. And so that's really where it came on super strong. And then you've got judgment to deal with and the protective layer that you need to deal with the things that people say about you. How did that feel to suddenly flip into becoming popular at 23 without actually maybe ever really feeling that or believing that, but suddenly the world is telling you this thing? Yeah, that's kind of the caveat of like, I thought I was like, I was a more popular driver in like the series below IndyCar than the IndyCar drivers because of the sponsors I had. Like I've, I've been on for, I've been on TV since I was a kid. Like I remember when MTV came to my high school and filmed me when I was 14, ABC did like a special called Passion to Play, Making of a Champion with myself, Tara Lipinski and Anna Kornikova. We were all 14 years old and it was called Making wow. of a Champion. And so like I've been on television for a long, long time. So I, I didn't, I, I, so I don't think that's the case. I, I think it was more just um, dealing with the volume of interest, like with media, with people, with fans and not wanting to, you know, completely disappoint people. And so, um, so I think it was just more, I, I had less bandwidth for myself because it was getting spread thinner. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So then I, you know, I'm an IndyCar driver and then, you know, and so it goes. And I did that for seven years and I had NASCAR and, you know, I just, you know, you continue to always get more and more popular the longer you stay out there just because of more and more eyeballs and ears and, so this is a long-winded sort of explanation for the energy uh, that I bring because I get a little confused about how much is just the way I am versus how much has been cultivated versus how much is I supposed to have? Like, 
Or is it just like not meeting the right person that can deal with it? Like, yeah. I get that, 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 that I'm a lot. And, you know, I probably trigger a lot of things, especially when we're talking about man and woman, like, you know, to, to hold the masculine role in a lot of ways in a relationship, whether it be planning or money or whatever, like, uh, you know, admiration, whatever the things are, past life and the things that I've done or the people I've dated or whatever it may be. It's just, you know, it brings a lot to the table. So I don't know. I'm very curious. I'm really curious because I know that you go really hard into the emotions, like um, vulnerability and and masculinity and and feminine energy. And so like, I don't know, what is your, what's your observation? I get very curious. I feel like I have ways that I, I feel feminine, but I don't, Surrender does feel difficult to me. Wow. I think that's really feminine. I think like that, like that's like, so that's like, like really moving mm. like that last, that last little bit. I mean, all of it, mm. but that last little, I feel like that, like that piece, like that's, it's not just feminine, it's human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's like, like so much of what we do, of what I do, you know, is a lot of like in the mind. Mm. And a lot of my, my, my stuff in the, the mind for me is a little bit of almost like a barrier around more sensitive mm-hmm. parts. And I feel like if we, for, for me, only speaking for myself, I, I, I feel like in some ways I've felt almost ashamed in a way to be too vulnerable because that could indicate that like I need help or like I'm not, a, I'm not a leader. I'm not, you know, I'm not strong enough. I'm not like, um, and then I think what that kind of feels like to me and this is something I, I've, I've, I've kind of stumbled into recently. I feel like I'm ashamed of being a boy. Mm-hmm. And so instead of actually assessing those parts where I still am a boy and there's still like deep parts within myself that are like, oh, there's sadness there. There's, there's shame there. And it's like, literally it feels like a frozen image of like a boy. It's like, oh, like you have the opportunity to go back and be with those mm-hmm. parts. It's actually really beautiful and amazing. Mm-hmm. For me as a man, I feel as though I have instead of um, actually facing those parts of myself and being excited and like eager to mm-hmm. look into those parts, I've been more ashamed because I don't want to realize that I am a boy. And that, so I put the front on as a man, a big, strong man, and then I just bypass all of that, those, those deeper parts, and they just sit and wait. And then I just start to live on this superficial kind of like analytical layer or muscular layer or skill-based mm-hmm. or whatever the thing is. And I just, I just keep on moving forward while that, that deep core part of me is still sitting there waiting to be addressed and just to be seen. It's all, it just wants to be seen. It wants to be loved. And it wants, and it has, there's the availability. I know that you've probably gone through or you're familiar with like reparenting and there's like the availability to open oneself up to those places and feel those, like actually feel those feelings just as though they were when you were one or three or, you know, whenever it was. And there's the availability to literally go in and with your adult self, go in and provide the connection that yeah. that little girl or that little boy needed. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's like the beautiful availability yeah. that I've, that I've found. So that's not, I'm not like providing you any kind of like, aha, this is it. No, that's just something that totally. my own journey of that. Cause I think it's, yeah, you know, that's really, it feels kind of similar in yeah. a way. Just I'm a guy or a girl. The inner child has definitely been the most useful tool in me softening and me, uh, becoming yeah. more connected to myself and, um, um, healing, um, levels of codependency, uh, is by 
by becoming closer to myself and the, the, the access point for me has been absolutely the inner child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you've, you've also like justifiably have lived a life that wouldn't really uh, enable you to be very vulnerable. I wouldn't think I would presume like for even for most dudes, Mm -hmm. it's like, if you're too vulnerable, you're, you know, you're gay or you're, you know, you're like, it's like a, it's like a problem. If you're like 15 years old and you're like talking about your feelings. Right. Like if you have mentioned the word inner child before you're at the age of, you know, problems. 40 years old because yeah. you've been in therapy. That's <laughs> yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny the things as a kid, like I played the violin when I was like 12 or something like that. And I was actually kind of good, you know, for a 12 year old <laughs> yeah. to play violin. And I stopped because I was worried about being gay. That was like, the, that was the thing as a 12 year old, <laughs> which I, you know, that was like a thing. And I think probably a lot of people's high schools, middle schools, whatever, you know, calling each other, calling each other gay, whatever. I love, love homosexuality. Like, you know, all the, all the versions of humanness and big fan. But that was this, like like insecure insecurity around yeah. that, and now it's like, or if you're going to therapy, right. that's like a big problem. Most of the things growing up that would be in like the quote unquote normal conventional yeah. world that would be like, oh bro, like you're you're doing that. Yeah. Now as an, an adult, I'm like, oh, that's actually the good stuff. Like it's literally like whatever you're told, it's kind of like that, but the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's just you know, it's just a shift in perception. Um, I was curious. I had a question. When you're talking about the little boy, is it that you aren't comfortable with the information the little boy has, or is it that you're not com- you aren't comfortable with how other people will perceive the information from the little boy? Probably both. That's a really good question. I think it's the 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 fear that I have have stored, and I'm like really excited. This is a part of this call it whatever, whatever the heck it is. There's been a big transition point of me just becoming aware of this stuff um, and noticing myself shift as I'm starting to actually actively work with it. And I think the feeling that I get personally is a sensation of uh, like a deep shame of not, not being enough, not being lovable. And instead of allowing myself to be hurt, I will kind of keep myself closed that way I won't confirm that internal belief that I actually have. Mm. And so it's, I think it's kind of both. It's like, I believe it, but I don't want the, the worst thing would be the confirmation of a, a woman mainly mm. um, guys, guys too. But like a woman is like the, the main thing that's sure. really historically has been really terrifying for me. And so actually allowing myself to just like fully exhale, like <sighs> to like to life, you know, or to, to a relationship or to intimacy uh, and, and like com- completely surrender those parts and accept that we talked about this on years before, like, accept that, like, I, I will be hurt, you know, like that's the only way to actually experience joy is to open yourself up to sorrow. Yeah. But if you, if, if one lives a life or I live a life mm-hmm. where I'm trying to buffer myself from the sorrow, fine, but I will never actually experience joy. Mm-hmm. I'll only experience like these kind of like, I don't know, like, like prefabricated cookie cutter versions of it but it's not like Mm. it's not the real thing you never actually really opened yourself and i think that would be the greatest travesty Mm. to live one's life and always live partially closed out of out of fear Mm. so the sooner a person can be like screw that like no like i don't care about money i don't care about my car like i need to figure my heart out Mm. like today and then from there we'll we'll build a life around that as i I feel is is, you know at the end of the day that is what everyone wants 
Oh yeah, that's why you're doing all the yeah, things. You could live. It's <laughs> probably why you're such a good race car you driver. You live off the damn land in the middle of nowhere, but be in fucking bliss with someone, and it's just like joy. It's just the best. Yeah. So, how has that been? It's it feels based off of your response that you do. You feel like some pressure around that. Have you felt like, am I not feminine enough? Yeah. Am I? Is there something wrong yeah. with me? Yeah. Yeah. I've been told that a lot, and yeah. you know, probably, probably, but it's because some of that resonates. For sure. And some of that is, um, well, is that just how I am? Meet, don't always meet the, you don't, not always with the right person from the get go. So is that just how I am? And I just haven't found the match or is that just so triggering for men? I don't know. I don't really know. I haven't figured it out. (laughs) Have you tried, have you tried to like, cool, I'm going to try to be more, docile kind of basic uh, basic bitch <laughs> you try that okay uh i can't because it's not in me it's just that for yeah, sure is not yeah, in me i know yeah, do that, that being um okay yeah sure like i'm super yeah. easy going you want to go golf today great you want to go jump out of a helicopter great you want to go on a road trip? Great. You want to go drinking tonight? Great. You want to sit and watch TV tonight? Great. You want to do a three-day fast? <laughs> Great. Like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm I'm down. I'm pretty open, like, when it comes to doing whatever. So, the, I have that. But, you know, I, I, I uh, docile. I don't even know what that looks like. I think that's just <laughs> – I think that – what is – what is docile? Well, I think that a perhaps there's there's some like I notice this with certain men, even like men men that I know that are friends. They occasionally prefer to date like a younger girl, you know, that's not really going to challenge them. Right. Why? Um, probably you know a few things. I think I think be like agreeableness in some to some degree is like a, 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 a benefit, uh, in, in, in a relationship. Uh, and then, but it just depends on how much you want to grow and like, perhaps like, where are you growing in your life? Maybe you're already growing in, in, in some places and you don't really want someone to challenge like those, those deeply held aspects of, um, intimacy that probably stem from your relationship to your original caregivers being your parents. Mm -hmm. And it's like, "Eh, I don't really want to rock that right now. Yeah. Um, so it's sometimes convenient to have someone in your life that's like, oh, I'll be like the captain. Mm-hmm. Like men really want to be the captain. Like it's very convenient. And if a woman is very domineering, um, you know, she is the master of time and space. She is the organizer. She is the breadwinner. Like she's the spearhead of the thing. I think it is probably challenging <clears throat> to pair that with another person that is re- like also really masculine. And the likely pairing with that probably would be a man that's more into nature and more they want to go camping and they they're and they're more and they want to play music and they want to dance mm-hmm. and they fulfill that energetic side because it's not a biological sex thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like like a yin yang polarity thing. So I think that could be perhaps a thing as well. Like a, a woman like uh, that is very like boss babe, go getter type mm-hmm. vibes. She's probably cra- she thinks she's well, she probably is craving. 
a, a, a man to like sweep her off yeah. her feet and take care of her and all that totally stuff. Totally want she's an alpha, little, like I do. I don't want to be in charge all the time. But it's it's that's scary for a, a guy because like one of the it, it could evoke a lot of things within a man of like oh like I want to feel like a provider. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like I am you know I will I don't want you to be able to kick my ass. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a, if you're a guy that's maybe a little insecure or maybe just is more masculine and prefers to have that feminine yeah. kind of counterpart polarity mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. But if a woman is occupying more masculine qualities, then there's a, a vacuum or an availability to be filled, but it's not masculine. I want to take a moment and share a solution for something many of us deal with, which is stress. Stress is a common factor that affects everyone in today's fast-paced world, leading to various health issues, including heart problems, inflammation, obesity, and mental illness. While most people focus on finding relief through meditation or trips to the spa, what if one of the main factors in one's stress could be a nutrient deficiency? That's why I'm excited to share Magnesium Breakthrough with you guys, the ultimate magnesium supplement that offers the full spectrum of all seven types of magnesium Specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body for maximum health benefits. This is a one-of-a-kind product and it's designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could be causing a multitude of health problems. But what sets magnesium breakthrough apart is its ability to impact the release of stress hormones such as cortisol and block the activity of more stimulating neurotransmitters leading to a more peaceful and resting state. This means that this supplement acts like a break on your body's nervous system, helping to calm and soothe, promoting a better quality of life. Simply go to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast and you'll get 10% off on magnesium breakthrough. You can also use the code align10 for 10% off. That is M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash align podcast. And for a limited time only, if you buy three bottles, you'll have a chance to win various different prizes such as blue light blocking glasses and more. This is a limited time offer for select orders. So don't wait, go now to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. What should do you, I am like super fascinated with roles and whether or not they're real or not. Like, like Mm. you, you sort of highlighted the classic roles of a man provider caretaker you know protector is that biological is that hardwired i mean it's hardwired to the degree that we have neuroplasticity and that's been the pattern but is that fundamental to a to a masculine existence a man's existence or or not or is that just a pattern so first of all i think it Something that stood out to me within your question that I find interesting is your question was very feminine. And that like I'm asking you questions mm-hmm. and you are happily orienting this conversation into, oh, like I want to listen and, and tell me more, mm-hmm. okay. which is so cool, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's and awesome. that's not to say like women should listen to men, but like that is like like – Men listen to women, women listen to whatever. Just saying like, oh, like I'm interested. Tell me more. Yeah. Like I think that is a really beautiful feminine. That's like what a mother does with a child. That's what what a, yeah. you know a feminine partner does within a relationship. It's like, oh, you had a hard day. You, you're stressed. Like, Why? oh, tell me about Let me hold you. You know, and I'm genuinely interested. And I want to like yeah. open up and he- I want to open up to, 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 to feel and hear what you have to share. Yeah. Yeah. Thank That's you. Cool. That's cool. Thank you. It's true. I mean, yes, yes. 
<laughs> I'm very, I, I'm very curious by nature and care by nature for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I, I wonder how much, do you see this with other women as, as well? Is this like a common conversation or, or not so much? Cause I think there's a lot of, I don't know if it's confusion or what it is, but the whole movement of like, you know, be a boss bitch. My British friend, Chris Williamson says, be a boss bitch, clap back. I don't know what clap back means. He's British. Oh yeah, I know Chris. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Clap back, be a boss bitch. You know, and it's kind of like this hardened, like CEO, <laughs> get it done, move the ball forward. Let's go. Mm. We don't need no man. You know, like I'll, I'll occupy both roles. Uh, I feel like it's that's really that- challenging. I can move the ball. I know how to move the ball. I know how to lead. I know who to, how to inspire. I know how to dream. Yeah. I know how to be creative. I know how to just get shit done. But I don't by any means think I don't need a man. I just yeah. think that I'm good enough to do it. Yeah. Regardless of gender. Yeah. And do you notice that with other girls that you are connected with? Like a, like a similar similar type um, dynamic or kind of like curiosity about the gen about like masculinity, femininity or how to yeah. be feminine or. Yeah. Uh, I think I have the most curiosity about it. Um, a lot of, most of my friends are married, so I don't mm. think that they, you know, I don't think they think about not being feminine as much as I do. Yeah. Do you, I have also you f- wonder, this is a weird question. Yeah. Yeah. Let it go. Not a weird one, but it, it's just a, it's another curiosity I've had before is that I've really wondered if the fact that I don't really highly desire children, mm. um, I think a lot, a lot of it has been my job. Like it was not possible. You can't just take a year off. You can't, it just doesn't work like that. <clears throat> you can't do it while you're pregnant, right? Like there's just like, I'm just not curious about it. I don't really care. I've never been drawn it's not like I say never, but I'm just like, I mean, I froze my eggs when I was 33 because I realized that I didn't know where my life was going and I kind of wanted some, some insurance. Um, but I'm 40 now and I, I have not hit some moment where I feel this like burning desire to be a mom. And I wonder, I wonder if the lack of that is some of the perceived lack of femininity because that is so feminine. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I would imagine, I would think wanting to create a child would probably come to someone as a product of like wanting to create a child with someone. I know that's not the case for a lot of women. A lot of women just just want to create a baby. Like that's really important for them. Right. And I could see someone like in your kind of orientation now where you're like, I don't know if I, you know, it doesn't seem like you're like a no to that. Right. Right. I'm not, it's not like no way, Jose, not even going to happen. Not, but it's like, I don't really care. I don't know if I care, which that means takes I a lot of pressure. Care. That takes pressure off a lot of, a lot of men as well. Yeah. But what, so. but does that, but does that, is there something in the lack of energy of that, that diminishes femininity and diminishes long-term mating because essentially it's so much easier to be temporary or transient. I think it probably, it doesn't diminish, it just changes. Like there's Mm -hmm. always available partners for different people. I think it's just a polarity thing. And it's just like, it's like, cool, if you're a person that doesn't want 
kids, you vehemently, vehemently do not want that, then obviously like that's going to change things. Mm-hmm. Doesn't maybe make it less. It just suddenly it's like, okay, well now it's this category of people, which mm-hmm. also it's not like the, the type of person that doesn't want to have a kid. It's not like that's like a single factor inside of a vacuum. That's going to be tied to lots of other personality mm-hmm. types and structures and such. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's, I think it's just finding people that match, but I, I would imagine oftentimes a person that is, uh, in like an orientation, like you're saying <clears throat> of doing, doing really well with being directive and getting stuff done and doing businesses and winning championships and all of that. Um, I would say in a way like, yeah, that like it is intimidating to a guy that is insecure with Mm -hmm. their ability to do those things. And Mm -hmm. so they would want someone that provides a reflection back to them that they are a big, strong man that Mm -hmm. provides and keeps things on time and keeps Mm -hmm. things direct and all that. And so the pool for those men that would be available for that, I would say probably would diminish, but that's not a bad thing. It would just be like, oh, you just need someone that's like really secure what that leads me into what I was just going to ask, which is what are the necessary energetic, emotional securities that a man needs to deal with a strong woman? Hmm. Necessary, energetic. Like where think- do you need to be super secure so that you can deal with a successful, strong woman? I think just feeling like you've you've you're available to to really look at yourself, you know, and you're available to authentically um, observe all the nooks and crannies of yourself that maybe aren't perfect, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're and you're like you're willing to open up the hood and be like, oh wow. But if you're not, and there's a suspicion that there's something because everybody was a little boy or little girl that was scared of being hurt or you know, being mm-hmm. left behind or, mm-hmm. you know, getting lost or, you know, not being good enough or, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and, and to the degree that someone continues holding that throughout their lives, you know, I think that, that varies, but I, I would, I would presume someone that really, like, I, I heard this term recently from a friend. Well, I made the term up, but he was telling me about his relationship. I was like, oh, wow, you guys are like anti-fragile in your relationship. Whereas like stress actually makes them better. So if they get into an argument or something of the sort or something, you know, bad happens or whatever, Hmm. it presents something because they have the operating system to be able to address that and learn from it and like grow from it. So I think with a, with a guy, if they're haven't quote unquote done the work and however that looks like, that wouldn't necessarily need to look like doing ayahuasca or therapy or something that could just be the way that they live, the way that they they live their life. And I don't know, there's probably a lot of ways, different ways to get therapized. Um, but maybe a person that does like they're, they, they're in like men's groups, you know, and they do see a therapist and like they really are, have become something shifted. Probably they've been broken, probably would be a product of that. They've been like brought to their knees in some capacity. They've realized, and if you're truly at your knees, then you don't really have a front so much because you're like, no, I really am like at, in the dirt. Yeah. You don't have anything left to stand up. But if you've never been there, then you would be inherently afraid of there. Mm-hmm. And so I would think some uh, like a man that um, hasn't kind of been brought to their knees, which is very Christian as well, mm-hmm. which I think that's there's like some like the benefits of religion and Christianity, like the metaphors within that. Sure. It's like humbling yourself to 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 God. 
yeah. you know, or humbling yourself to yourself or source or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, something like else. Your ego isn't running the show. Yeah, you know? humbling it's, yourself it's, at all. <laughs> yeah, just humbling yourself. So I think that would probably be a, a, a thing, you know, someone that's just willing to to um, be honest and vulnerable and authentic with the mm -hmm. the reality that they're uh, they make mistakes and they're not perfect and they have fears and hopes and desires and shames and yeah. all, like the whole kit and caboodle of, yeah. of human emotion. But if they're kind of like a hot shot, you know, and they're kind of like they're living in that side, like, no, I am a hot shot. You know, I don't just express hot shot qualities. Like I am that's the hot my life. Shot. I live in yeah. hot shot land. That's my, yeah. that's my, that's my comfort zone. Then that would probably be um, perhaps like a little uncomfortable because they wouldn't want to be like, have like, uh, just be challenged in that way. Sure. Um, and I think within the whole masculine and feminine thing, like there could be ways that you are more masculine, quote unquote masculine in certain qualities, just in the sense of like, get stuff done, you're better at business, like whatever the thing is. Um, but then there's other qualities that you're actually much less masculine and you're much yeah. more feminine. And there, and it's, yeah. it's not necessarily like there's only one way to be yeah. these I, made up terms we call yeah, masculine and feminine. I agree. I like had this idea that in a relationship, it may, could be beneficial to like clarify where each other is going to lead. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where's, where, where are you, what are your to, strengths? What are mine? Exactly. Like everybody yeah. needs to go f be able to number one, say where they want help and where they want to lead, like something they feel super strong about. And maybe there's some negotiation ish, but it, it also, it helps people understand how they're important because I think essentially a lot of what this boils down to is for a man, traditionally he's been felt to be important by being a provider, being a protector, being the breadwinner, being in charge. And yep. so if you take those things away, then you need to have other things. And I think that if there was some level of exploration within a relationship that is unconventional that there will always be places that each other doesn't want to lead. Even yeah. if they can, even if they can, doesn't mean they want to. That, but that, I think that as you're, as you're saying, as you're talking, that's like that planning and organization part. Um, it feels like that's, that's really important. And my guess is you probably want to find a man that is doing that. You know, like you, you probably don't want to be the person that's like, okay, here's what we got to do. Stu, you know, we need to come up with our strengths, come up with this. Like you probably want the guy to be like, no, here, like I got you. We're going to set this up. This is the plan. I'm going to lead you. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of the things that I, I, I read in this book, how to, how to be uh, an adult in relationships, David Rico book. <laughs> really, really good. Uh, but one of the things that it said in there that I wrote down that I thought was just so cool was, was a woman, a man wants this too, but it's, they're, they're different. Um, and whatever, biological male, whatever, just whatever, masculine, feminine, whatever, whatever the terms are. I know. We're always trying to check our yeah, box. Exactly. Like, oh, wait, in trouble. don't cancel. I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, sure. I'm a guy. I'll speak for myself. But, but they, the, the man in the book, he writes, the man wants, or no, the woman wants the man to lead her to a place that she can't go on her own. Hmm. I was like, Damn. wait, say that again. Say that again. The woman wants a man to lead her someplace that she can't go on her own. I think that places into her heart. She, she so wants great. to be held. She wants to be supported. She wants to feel safe to lean yeah. into to his to, to to trust into his leadership. Yeah. And and that's but uh, yeah. within that it gets it's two directions. So you could go like the David Data, you know, the 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 way of the superior man role, where it's like essentially the the man the masculine kind of leads the show, 
they cause through their actions and their, you know, the way that they show up, that kind of shifts the feminine. But you could also go the other perspective, which there's other mostly females that have kind of a new perspective on it in a way. It's like, yes, it's just like what they said in, in uh, way is pure man, but like the opposite, like the, the, the feminine, the way that she shows up really shifts and morphs the masculine. Mm. It's really both. And my experience and my limited experience in relationship, which I'm, I'm like, I think I'm only opening up to intimacy in the last very recent. Is that why is you like say limited? Thing. Oh yeah. I've been closed. I've been closed down my whole relationships. I've had like, I've had three, but I've been closed down my whole life. I've never really been like open up to relationship. Terrifying. Um, yeah. Um, but now I'm like, oh, like this needs to be addressed. Like this is this is really important. But that's the thing that I found in my my previous relationship was she opened, she evoked me. I would say to, to she evoked qualities in me to come back, circle around, and lead her into places that she couldn't go on her on her own. Mm. So that was pretty cool. So like I needed her to initiate me. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. be initiated without the reflection <laughs> of her because she mm-hmm. tenderized my heart mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. usually comes through the, through the genitals for a guy. You're like, wow, they're hot. I'd love to do terrible things to them. And then, you know, one month, three months, six months pass. You're like, I'm in love with it. Like, how did this, how did you get into my heart? Like, how did this happen? And then it's like shamanic, like it does stuff and it starts to open up. Then suddenly you start to relate them back to your primary caregivers in a way. You know, and it starts to come up with like mother stuff and father stuff and deep old wounds, quote unquote wounds that want to be healed. You want to feel safe to just trust and exhale and like breathe in all of life. Um, And relationship, I I believe, really does that. But that's I think the woman typically will initiate the man to grow up, like get out of like the Peter Pan phase. Because she usually wants kids or like deeper commitment. Or just the man. Or just the man. But oftentimes the kid the, the kids are like like a long-term commitment. What what I think what that does is it's the woman will stress test and she'll sure. poke, prod oh, and yeah. Yeah, like, you have to do you have to vet very, very carefully for pair bonding and children because that's your whole life. That's your thing, yeah. So she does all of that. She causes the boy to be like be evoked into a man to grow up. It feels uncomfortable. It creates conflict. If they make it through, then it's like, okay, cool. Wow. He's more mature. And now he's kind of initiated and he like wants to grow. And now he's leading me on this, on this path. But I think a woman really wants to be led to a place that she can't go on her own. Yeah. But is it possible to stay with the, with the girl that initiates it? Or is that just, is that just too much fire and too much challenge to recover from? I think it's I think it's possible. I think I think that the and this is like I'm you know as we all know I'm definitely not the expert of any of this stuff, but I I talk to people <laughs> that, that, that that are, and I think it's interesting. I'm excited about it. I appreciate you know that we're having this conversation, um, and that's that's talking to, to a buddy called uh, Stefano Safandos who did a couple episodes with him, and one of the things that he's mentioned that I agree with, and lots of other folks as well in this world, but but you know repair is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, and so conflict actually, and this is the David Rico stuff as as well, the the how to be adult relationship. So you start out in a romance phase, you see this idolized ego version of each other, like you mm-hmm. just see what you want to see. Then you naturally move into conflict. Yeah. Conflict is yeah. where you see your truth. 
Yeah. Okay. This is all the stuff that I, I only had six months of energy to like maintain this idolized version of everything. Yeah. yeah. Here's, here's the actual shit and here's your actual shit. Yeah. Here's the opportunity to actually humble yourself both individually um, or maybe one per, you know, you, you both need to do it uh, and become vulnerable and say, fuck, like I don't have this all together, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm scared or I'm ashamed or like whatever the, th- the thing is for that individual. I think we need a therapist. I think we need to like lean into this and you need a guy that's like, that's game to do that. Yeah. And you need a girl that's game to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a cha- I mean, relationships are challenging. They bring up a lot. And I, I really wonder if, you know, um, when you're on a path of growth and evolving, if it, complicates things more because it's a moving target. You know, if we just go back to 1946 when everybody just drove their freaking car and (laughs) women clean the house and men when work and come back and 2.5 kids. And you like, there was just like, it just wasn't, maybe it's kind of, maybe it's some level of consciousness shift in the collective. Maybe it's a frequency change. Maybe it's just more information through the internet and more data points where you can collect more information. Um, But, but we're in this, I feel like we're just in this place and culture where there's just a lot of people growing and evolving. And it, I think it, you know, they're two moving targets, you know, when two people are figuring things out, um, it's a lot less likely that you'll stay aligned because you're, you're, your mask, your personality is something that is not necessarily all real. And Mm -hmm. so as you break through that mask and you get to the core of who you are and what you really want, then, you know, sometimes the landscape of what you're attracting then changes, you know, when you change your environment changes. And so, I don't know. I think that, I think that dynamic is present. I don't know how, I don't know how responsible it is for breakups or makeups or, you know, like the, the term of a relationship, but it definitely feels like it must be some kind of a factor. How often do you tap into that little moment in uh, before in the conversation when I s- reflected back to you that your reflection back to me was very feminine and it was mm-hmm. like, and then your reflection back from that reflection was you like almost like, like you like teared up a little bit mm. like that was feminine AF. Like that was, that was Danica Patrick, like little girl. Yeah. And it's so beautiful and it's so mm-hmm. attractive like mm-hmm. that, like that, that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if it's, you're kind of looking for like, okay, like where's more of this like feminine kind of soft expression? Like there it is. Like that was it from my perspective perspective, mm-hmm. how, and you can feel free to, you know, you know, take or leave any of that, but, but how, how connected to uh, to that part do you feel like you are on a regular basis? Mm. The part that is willing to say that, the part that's vulnerable enough to say something um, like and that, and just like to, to like to like cry in a conversation, or yeah, just like that, like that, like very like sweet, soft, like wow, like I don't know, you know, yeah. I don't have, a, I don't have a plan. Yeah, you know, like that sometimes yeah. is, is a nice thing for a, 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 maybe I'm an insecure guy or a guy, I don't know. But when a girl's like, I don't have a plan, I don't know, like, 
like I just, I just like, I want to like be held in your arms, you know? And and it's like that little girl, probably she does have access to like all the, the infinite wisdom of the world. And she also doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, More all the time. I can remember. (laughs) Yeah. More all the time. Um, Thank God. Like getting better. Um, You know, I can definitely remember a time when conflict resulted in, my voice, my volume going up, defensiveness, projecting, um, where, you know, I was protecting myself, um, and my pattern, my ego, my, you know, my, my, I was protecting myself from feeling vulnerable or being disappointed or looking weak. Right. Cause it's always, that's always the narrative is like vulnerability is a weakness. Um, and so I think that, I've realized probably in the last few couple of years, mostly that when conflict comes up, like, and it's, I, it's happened like once or twice in the last couple of years where I, there'll be a disagreement and then I will access the old part of me that knows how to get loud. And trust me, I know how to get loud and I will go there for like 10 seconds and basically say, this is not how I want to be, but if this is where you want me, just let me know. <laughs> and like, then I just come down cause it's way too much energy. I can't do it anymore. Like it doesn't even feel aligned with me anymore. I can't, I trust the freaking flow of the universe too much. I, I, I respect my own integrity of how I treat someone too much Um, and I also most importantly ask the question every time there's a problem, what is my part in this? Because there is no way this is just all your fault is no way. Even if somebody does something that does seem very isolated to them, I attracted, I still attracted you. There's still something in you that I resonate with because of things like that. Yeah, you, you brought so, them into your life to reflect this exact thing, probably. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, I, I, I believe, and this could go yeah. multiple directions, but I believe that like we're literally, we're bringing each other into our lives to, to heal ourselves and heal the other person. It just ha- yeah. happens that we pair up that way, yeah. um, conveniently. Um, <clears throat> and, and sometimes, you know, the, I, I learned this, this from Stephanos and our last, episode we did a little bit ago as well but it's it's like it's determining whether your baggage max matches up with their baggage Mm -hmm. and whether you guys are like good to road trip together like cool like check (laughs) your bags check your bags all right (laughs) you're gonna like mix these bags up together we'll see how this goes yeah and and it's i think it's kind of it also comes to like do you have the resources like energetically um you know time just spaciousness in your life and compassion in your life and you both have to be able to actually navigate through those deep old childhood wounds that will inevitably manifest themselves if you truly open up to intimacy. And sometimes yeah. the answer is no. Sometimes yeah. it's like, I don't have the bandwidth for that. I'm fucking racing cars. I don't have time to like totally. open up my heart and go to therapy did. and like really make this maybe the most important thing or like maybe not the most important thing, but like on the level of like, no, like I'm, he- I'm here. I'm yeah. here. And you, you need that as from a guy as well. Like you need the guy to be a rock. You need to know that the guy is, is unmovable in this way, unshakable in this way. I'm borrowing language from, from these books. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's so, true. so, but, 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 but yeah, I think it, re- it really just goes both, both ways with that. But the more that the girl 
is available to that part, I think the more it evokes the man to step into his masculinity. Even I noticed that moment when you um, pretended like you were about to get loud. Mm-hmm. And I might be kind of a, like a weaker man in some ways. Um, but I noticed myself, like my my pole kind of diminish in a way. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, like I felt feminine. Actually, mm-hmm. just in that little micro I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like Danny could, could hold shit down. <laughs> you know, it's... it's <laughs> It's so within that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's not to say like, oh, that's bad. It's not like, okay, because I can get loud, because I can get strong, because, oh, this is bad. I think it's it's just becoming more vulnerable with like, well, who are you really? Are you loud? Are you like dominant? Are you this? Like, who are you really? God, you know, I, I took a... Um, I took a trip by myself to Tulum a good few years ago um, for five days by myself. And, um, I'd never taken a solo trip, but I'd always just wanted to take one. And, um, I really, I, I, I didn't necessarily go, I'm going to go do deep work, like, but I was alone. So it was like probably going to happen. And it started like from the moment I got there with like reading this book and seeing these en- certain messages that were in it based on things that I was thinking and blah, 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 blah. What was like, the book? Um, it was called meet your soul by Elisa Romeo. So I had met my soul. So I started after that first section and it started off with like dark night of the soul stuff and like inner gremlins and who's the inner voice that you hear and what's the narrative. And I was able to kind of figure all that stuff out. Um, And, but one of the simple examples of like, who am I really was one thing I was so shocked to learn about myself which is why I think being alone is really the only time you can truly know who you are because otherwise you're being sort of um, uh, challenged or confused by your environment, whether it's a partner or a brother or parent or whatever it is, is that I walk so damn fast. Like I, my cadence is just fast and Like even when I get out of the car and I'm going to dinner with a guy, like I walk and I'm like 10 steps ahead and I'm not trying. It's just, (laughs) I just get moving. And I realized when I was down there, I walked everywhere slow. I walked the beach so slow and I was like, wow, this is fascinating. I mean, that's just one micro example of something. It's a huge example. It's a huge thing. Yeah. Cause it's like such a different energy center. Like that is yeah. such a different energy. Yeah. Um, like, but, where, where, like where, where are you trying to get? Yeah. Or what am I trying to prove? I realized that like, I think I'm subconsciously like establishing dominance or something by being on it. Let's go. Like there's right. some kind of, Yeah. So it sounds like the like the potential because I think where this conversation can go in another like malign direction is where it's like okay I'll play docile kind of cute Southern Belle thing and I'll just try to be yeah, this yeah. thing that I don't feel like I actually identify with yeah, yeah. in order to allow the the insecure man to to feel like a big boy like that's not the direction. But I think the direction could be that where you're like, oh, interesting. Like just having that self-awareness to observe, like where the hell am I racing to exactly? Yeah. Like like, is walking slower and like 
observing the pavement on my feet or observing the air on my skin or Mm -hmm. getting out of the car and taking a breath. (sighs) Like that's what a a man, many men, it's not a man, it's masculine. Mm -hmm. That's what the masculine craves from the feminine is the masculine is I'm so caught up in my, oh, I'm in my head and, you know, my life, you know, and the woman gets out of the car. I'm saying woman because, you know, that's, I'm a heterosexual for me, it's a woman. Um, But for whoever, whatever, um, they get out of the car and it's, and it's this like, ah, we're in Hawaii. You know, like that's like, it's like, oh, I'm leaving for Hawaii. I'll keep, I'm leaving in a couple of days. I'll do that while I'm there. And places like that will do that. So, so if a person, so you place yourself into the like the most masculine it's like in a lot of ways more masculine like football and like ufc because football and ufc it's like it's bodies At you know there's it, something it, like there's sensual physicality to it yeah. yeah it's like sensual it's like almost like sexual in a way it's just a well there's like a certain like rhythm and dance to it totally you no know? like yeah it's way more feminine race car driving very masculine yeah. and so you you place yourself in that situation not bad not good but it's like you're dressed up in suits, you're sweaty, you're going in a line. There's probably a lot of sensual feel. You're becoming one with the car, which is very feminine. You're listening deeply into it. You're feeling into the road. Intuition. That's a feminine quality. Intuition, tr- yeah, trust. Like yeah. you're tapping into like deeper. Like that's all feminine. But just as far as if we were like comparing sports, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people would agree, you know, something like a, you know, two oiled up men essentially dancing with each other. There's a lot of actual femininity, in femininity to that. In Spanish. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, oh. you know, and so with, within that, yeah, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of training within that. So it would be a lot of, um, yeah, it would be, I think it would just be a lot for any woman. I mean, 27 years. That's what I did for 27 years. Yeah. And so that was, so, and so within that, the reason I was saying is that if you move to, to New York or something of the sort, that's going to be more masculine. I'm borrowing this from the David Data stuff as well. You know, so within that, you'll start to kind of form with the rhythm of that. Yeah. If you go to Bali, you know, or you go to Hawaii, it's like full feminine. Totally. And so it's like, oh, how do I, how do I start to tap into more of these parts? It's like, well, you could just go to Hawaii. Yeah. Actually, up, that's what I felt in Tulum. Tulum was to- totally, I, I've been back so many times cause I, I really love it down there. And I spent last time I was there, I spent a couple of weeks and, um, what I had told one of my friends, a guy, um, I was like, man, I feel, I was like, I actually feel more feminine here. Like there's something yeah. in the energy of this space that I like gravitate towards walking slower. Yeah. I gravitate towards no plan. I gravitate towards uh, the color pink. Like, I mean, I just yeah. soft, you know, like I just, I don't, I mean, it, be, I don't it, know. it, it, it evokes sensuality and spontaneity mm. and you're and like, you're like, like nature is very feminine. And yeah. so when you're in that place, you want to open yourself up to it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want to surrender all of myself into. I want to, this place to pour into me. Yeah, that's what like that's what's happened. Whereas if you're in a fucking hundred and thirty degree race car with yeah. an engine that could explode at any time, and like other big you know men trying to knock you off the road, yeah, opposite. Mm-hmm. Close it down. Get tight. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's per- perhaps, I would say probably, but perhaps a reason that you chose that because you're, and you're so, you were so good at it, perhaps that is tied into actually feeling more safe, hunkering down, getting tight, you know, and kind of being in that, that type space. I'm not, I don't know about that part, but like, I think we choose careers and paths 
sometimes it's almost like our childhoods, you know, and our, our like histories choose our, choose our paths for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think that there was anything, anything like, anything? like past life stuff? No, no, no. Or... Like this, like this life, like there's something that you liked about kind of being in that, that, um, being something natural, like, oh, this comes natural to me because of the environment and based on. Yeah, like it felt like it felt safer in a way compared to like if you mm-hmm. instead became like a ballerina or something. I don't think I had the consciousness. I don't think I had the consciousness to have that level of awareness. Yeah. I, I saw some cool shit in EMDR once where um, I was sort of like I was going into a past memory um, where like I was going to past memory with my parents, with my dad in particular, and it was hurtful. And, um, I was probably, I don't, I don't know, it might've been eight or 10 or something. And I went into this memory and what I saw, cause I've done it EMDR enough now to know that usually you see the observer of the situation. You see the sort of them, you, you see their paths and their patterns and their parental sort of situation that, that sort of gave them that, that sort of energy or like what they did. Um, like I've, I've seen a lot of that, but I had never seen this. I saw soul orchestration. I saw like a, like almost like I walked out of my parents' little office and my dad was over on the side and he was making fun of me for something. And I saw that it was literally like soul orchestration. Like you have to hear this and you have to see this wow. because it's part of what is going to give you the tools for the future. Like this is just part of the plan. <laughs> what did it say? That it was just like you needed this experience. You need to harden. You need to hear this information. You need to... You need, this was just something you needed to have, needed to experience. Oh yeah, I agree. With so that. you were asking like, is, is this just, do your, does your job pick you or do you pick your job? Yeah, do, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I just share that story out of curiosity if, if there's, if our job or if our, you know, a chunk of our life is dedicated to something that will help us break open in a, in an, in a very big way later. Like, you know, what if it took, like I could be say I didn't race, say I'm tough girl, I'm successful to some degree, but I kind of have more of a traditional life and I'm, I don't drive race cars. I didn't make a ton of money. I didn't, you know, I didn't become famous, but you know, I kind of was some sort of a strong, but it was not nearly enough of a tipping point to heal the masculine feminine balance within me. So I go and I have a chunk of my life dedicated to going, you're going to need this because this is how you heal that because you are, because it's so strong that you're going to need something to tip you over. It's like, you know, how did a relationship end? And it had to end the way it did. And it had to feel the way it did because it, I remember it happening and saying, it was always going to take this much for me to look at myself. It was was, nothing would have done it. Like this was, this is what was needed. This is, this is how strong I am. This is how determined I get is like, I needed something this significant. Um, So I wonder if that's maybe on a more macro level for our life in a bigger, bigger span of time. If, if there's sort of an energetic draw towards something that will, get us to a tipping point. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's if you're like filling up fuel into a spaceship, you'd need enough fuel to get out of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And the, the fuel would be perhaps the um, hurt, pain, you know, trauma, wounding, like whatever the thing is. And that energy actually propels us into a lot of amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. you know including just our own our own healing in a deeper way but like that that's like there's another another uh i don't know lots of people said different versions of this as well but like the worst thing that could happen to a person would be just having like a like a moderate life you know where you're just kind of you're like right in the middle you know you're kind of you're you're, you're all righty you know and within that it's like it's fine you know, maybe you're already and you actually are like unpacked and you're in a good spot and you really found this equipoise balance point. I think it's probably very rare. Uh, but in some ways, I feel like people who have you know, drug addiction or things of the sort where it's like they actually have overt problems, you know, or compulsive mm-hmm. behaviors or it's mm-hmm. like all of cultures like, bro, you need to look at yourself mm-hmm. compared to the person that's like, you know, just void filling with success or more muscles or more money or whatever the thing is. And culture's like, oh, this is great. But in fact, there's this deep, vacuous void inside that they're attempting to fill, but they're just kind of keeping themselves in that middle point. They've never actually really exploded anything. Yeah. Yeah. Exploding something. There's something about it. Yeah. The breaking point is beautiful. The breaking point's beautiful. And I like always try and remind people when they talk about like being at a very difficult point or being challenged, feeling like something needs to shift is that you're almost there. Like to become aware and be Mm -hmm. in like more of the fire. I'm like, it took your whole life to get to that, this point. Like it took your whole life of pattern to realize this. So like you're almost there. I'm not saying it's, you're going to be okay next week or next month. It might be next year, the year after, but like you're almost there. Yeah. Cause you're yeah, the, 36 the, the, or you're 42 or you're whatever. Like you're almost there compared to your whole life that it took you to realize this. I want to take a moment and share about something that has truly made a massive difference in my life as of recent. That is going through the diagnostic process with Life Force. Life Force is a health optimization company that is bringing a personalized approach to help you take control of your health. It all starts with the Life Force Diagnostic, a comprehensive blood test that measures over 40 biomarkers that impact your mental and physical health, from your nutrient levels to hormone balance to key risk factors for disease and much more. The Life Force Diagnostic gave me a snapshot of precisely what the heck is happening inside of my body. Then the next step, I jumped on a call with a Life Force functional medicine doctor and she was absolutely amazing. I asked her a whole gamut of questions and uh, it's probably a pretty annoying patient, I would say, because I just kept asking questions and she kept having answers. She was incredibly welcoming, incredibly sweet, and just really brilliant with the information. Um, So she mapped out a very clear, concise plan uh, for me. Uh, She was working with me. I think I just felt very supported the whole time. Uh, Some of the things that we saw there was a deficit with me was particularly DHEA uh, and then also omegas. So they got me on a couple nutraceuticals and I swear to God, um, I, since starting these guys, I feel um, almost uncomfortable saying it like this because it's an ad, but it truly made a massive difference. My word recall, my energy levels, my libido um, has 
has significantly shifted since starting. So I'm freaking excited and I would absolutely implore any of y'all to at least get the diagnostic done so you can get that snapshot of what's going on inside of your blood, what is going on inside of your biology so you're not guessing. You know exactly what's happening and then you can start making decisions from there. If you'd like to get 15% off, uh, you can go to mylifeforce.com. That's M-Y-L-I-F-E-F-O-R-C-E dot com and then use a line code at checkout for 15% off. And that is a very meaningful 15% off as well. So I can't recommend it enough. I think you guys are going to really dig it. I think it's going to be really amazing for your own health journey. Jump over to mylifeforce.com and use the align code for 15% off. Can I ask you race car questions? Do you got to go yeah. soon, by the way? I don't want to like overdo okay. your, your time. Okay. Um, all right. <clears throat> so that was like a chapter of, of the conversation. Please feel free to, to come back into any parts of the whole masculine feminine polarity. I also am very curious about, I don't know anything about formula one racing or NASCAR. I, I, I think I watched the race that Dale Earnhardt passed away. I was into NASCAR for a short stint. I was like an 11 year old. Um, how, how hard is that? I think from the, from the outside looking in, you could be like, they're just sitting in a fucking seat. <laughs> I can motor rail track. Like what's the actual experience for a person in Formula One compared to NASCAR? Are they similar? Mm-hmm. Are they different? Well, uh, just to be technical, it was IndyCar, okay, uh, which is, looks just like a Formula One car. I mean, they look uh, a lot like a Formula okay. One car. They're open wheel, which means the wheels are exposed. And that's what I did at first. Okay. Um, so that's all the open wheel means is it's just literally um, open wheels. What, is, what does um, F1 mean? So uh, like that's, open, that's open wheel. That's open wheel as well. Um, okay. Stock oh, cars okay. are NASCAR. NASCAR is a stock car. Right. Um, and then everything when you can see, if you can see the tire, it's open wheel. Right. So, um, so I did IndyCar and then I did NASCAR and um, you asked what it's like, what's yeah, the what's challenge? the experience for a driver? Cause I, I think how I can say, how hard is it? Well, I mean, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable all the time. Um, you have to, like, you develop, obviously, over time, but you, you have to learn to trust a car at 235 miles an hour in a corner. Like, wow. you have to learn how to get comfortable not being able to see what's really behind you, and you just are kind of looking forward, and you're trusting intuition and all kinds of things. So, you know, you have to get used to gauging passes and momentum and, you know, intuitively feeling when the right time to go is and setting passes up and fucking learning how to be fast, even just, you know, learning how to be fast. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different layers to it. You also have to be on the right team and you have to be of the right, you know, all the right politics going on and have the right crew chief for the right engineer, um, have enough sponsorship, <laughs> There's, there's a lot that goes into it, but as a whole, but as far as the driving, um, I mean, I, I think there's a little bit, you know, I think with any sport, if you're going to get to the top, you obviously have talent like, and you can see that because like, you know, if someone's really good at basketball, they're going from high school, right? Like, you know, that it's clear, right? If a football player is really good, it's, pretty clear they're really good. So it's the same thing with racing. Um, so he, what, but the difference is, is that, um, 
we don't really have coaches. Huh. So every other sport has a coach, right? There's a, there's a quarterback coach, there's a shooting coach, there's a head coach, there's an offensive coordinator, there's defensive coordinator, there's, there's everything. There's a coach for everything. And um, we just didn't have them. We just didn't have coaches. And so um, what I, I, I'm kind of long-winded in that you're running on a lot of intuition. You're running on a lot of talent and how hard you're willing to push yourself and challenge yourself to get better. There's a very, like a very self-starter nature to it because there's no one telling you, be here at this time, do this thing, do these laps. It's gotta be you. You didn't have a, like a, someone like in your ear or anything, or like you didn't have yeah, someone saying, coach. Sure. they're just a spotter. They're a crew chief or an engineer. Huh. They're just telling, they'll be saying things like, you know, um, you know, 10 laps to go until we pit. How's the car feel? And I'll be like, on, you, you had to have had a driving coach at some point. You never had a person that's like, I'm going to coach you how to do this. I had a driving coach in Formula Atlantic for a year, a year or two, maybe. Hmm. That's it. Oh, wow. A year, year or two. I can't, rem- I can't remember exactly, but, um, but that was it. Other than that, it was my dad helping me in go-karting. Do you guys have like practices? You come out like Monday through Friday, two no. o'clock, we got driving practice. Um, I mean, normally it's just race weekend. They back in the old days of racing when their money was just flowing and sponsors and tire manufacturers and all kinds of things, you know, there'd be a lot of testing, which means you go to the track for a couple of days and you're on track from nine to five lap, stop, 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 stop. They just make changes in tire pressure. They make tires with changes with springs. They might make a, um, uh, they might make a, um, yeah structural change with the geometry of the, you know, the way the car is pitched, they might make shock changes, whatever, all kinds of different things. Um, and so, but they don't really do that anymore because it's too expensive. So they're trying to keep the playing field more even because only rich team, the, the more wealthy a team is, the more they can do it. So they limit that very, very, very limited. There's really almost no testing. Um, all it is is at like in NASCAR now since COVID, it's a twenty minute practice, qualify, race. That's it. The wow. whole weekend. That's every when are they? Weekend. When are they driving? They're just driving real fast on the highway, and then they just go NASCAR. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Visualize they, they, it. That's it. They get a twenty minute practice, and there's a qualifying session, which is like another twenty minute session where you might make two or three runs, and then you go race. I mean, it used to be, you used to have a few hours of practice. You used to have like an hour and a half qualify and then like two one hour sessions. So you'd have three, four hours of practice, three, three or four hours in the car before the race. Now you have like 40 minutes. What about in, in general, like throughout the year, like off season, you mm-hmm. have to be on the track a lot, right? No. What? I know. There's like, what? Isn't there like a death? I feel like there's an opening here. Like, what if we can just get someone to drive more? It's all, it's all restricted. (laughs) It's all restricted. I think that's why, like one of my very good friends, Kyle Larson, he won the championship two years ago and, um, he races dirt cars all the time. So he goes and races a ton otherwise. And I just think it keeps him sharp, you know, but, but, but it's, there's no testing because of financial reasons. How is your mind going into a race? Were you like barfing in the car? Oh, and is there a difference between NASCAR and IndyCar as far as like, is there one that's more comfortable, one that feels like, like, which would you enjoy driving more? Um, 
I mean, IndyCar is pretty amazing what it can do because it has wings. So there's downforce. So at a certain speed, you can drive upside down, you know, like there's that much downforce. So, um, but stock cars are fun because they're a little bit more forgiving. They're a little bigger and sloppier. Um, You can kind of clobber curbs a bit more. They're not as rigid. So it'd be like hitting a curb in a, you know, Lincoln Town car, like driving over something versus like a Porsche where it's like, you know, it feels aggressive. So stock cars are a little more forgiving. Um, I'm not saying one is easier than the other. Just, that's just kind of the feel difference. Um, But that's, that's the biggest difference between them is just sort of like high performance, rigid versus, um, you know, a little bit more forgiving. And there's like a a fun factor to that. Yeah. How, so how is your mindset going into a, a race? Cause you have a confluence <laughs> of factors. One, you're doing something that's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you identified it as being dangerous at the time or not, but so there's the potential like terror of like, Oh, I don't want to die today. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, the competition aspect of it and the yeah. sponsors and the crowd and yeah. all the freaking dudes that probably a good chunk of them are like, as long as I don't get beat by her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, back to our beginning conversation of being in England racing against teenage boys that don't want to get beat by a girl. Yeah. Um, even more sensitive egos probably then. Um, I mean, mindset. I mean, I always got pretty nervous. You know, I got nervous because I wanted to do well. Uh, I didn't really worry about safety. I, I mean, I just kind of say a prayer before I went out and asked for like some angels to come around and protect me. And I'd just be like, here we go. Who would you pray um, to? You say God. God. Yeah. Yeah. I've nice. been perplexed as to who to pray to over the last <laughs> decade. Like I'm like, God, source. Yeah. Energy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Throw them all in there. I don't know who to say that. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all the same, I think. Energetically, yeah. I think it's all the same. Yeah. Um, so you pray. Pray. Did you and do, tra- let, yeah. do you have like traditions? Did you do like you put your socks on a certain way? Did you like no, man. kiss people the tires asked, or something? People asked about superstitions all the time. And I just said that superstitions were only real if you believed in them. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they are. Like it, it's. I mean, I, every time I'd have one for a couple of weeks, I'd like break it because it's only real if I believe in it, you know, it's just a mind thing. Did you go through different personality? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like self perceptions. Like, did you drink your own Kool-Aid at some point? Be like, I'm Danica Patrick. And then like, I'm, who am I? And then like, I'm fucking Danica Patrick. Was there kind of an ask? Cause it'd be easy for a person in your position to be like, I am the shit. Just so you know, I'm the shit, you know? Oh, I don't think I ever thought that. I yeah. think um, I think I went through a little bit of a pocket of time when I had a lot of like had general success and popularity and 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 financial success that where all of a sudden when you know you can do anything, you go, what's the point of all this? Like right. you have that little existential moment where you have to f- remember why you're doing it and you got to, it's like kind of just a little bit of, there's like a, there can be a little darkness in the light, you know, where you just go, if I can do anything I want, like if I'm successful enough and like, what, what is the point of all this? Like, why am I doing this? What do I really want to do? Um, so I, I remember feeling like that for a little bit of time at one point. Yeah. Um, just kind of trying to understand what the point of it all is. Did you ever read the, the second mountain book? No, no, but I think I know what you're alluding to as far as the concept. Yeah, I think that that's like a lot of, you know, folks 
well, maybe not a lot, but, but folks in similar positions, they get to that point and yeah. you have your whole life to look up to the mountain and you're like, well, I will be fulfilled when I get to the top of this mountain. Mm-hmm. And then you arrive at that point like you did. We're like, okay, I can pretty much do anything. Um, yeah. I feel the same. What, what does this mean? Yeah. You know, now, you know, now what? Yeah. Well, now you, you start investing in like the sec- the second mountain, which I think the second mountain would be kind of like what the, you know, the first portion of this conversation was, yeah. um, yeah. you know, just connecting more deeply with people and, and yourself yeah. and, um, yeah, probably being charitable and just being like, wow, I want to be like an influence of good in the world. Like, yeah. I don't really, that doesn't stop. You're not going to get to a point where like, okay, I did all the good. It's like, no, you know, you can yeah. get to a point where it's like, okay, I have enough money that I can do anything I want. That really is like a pretty quantitative, you know, there's a stop point yeah. with that of sorts, but with the doing, you know, connecting deeper into yourself, to your parents, to your family. You know, I feel like that's like the. It's your why's, you know, why do you do things? What lights you up? What makes you feel good? Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's always, it's really come to wanting to help people. I guess if I were, I say like wake up, but, and then I also say things like plant seeds, right? Just, I can't make you think something, but I can say something and then maybe it'll hit and it'll make some sense later. But ultimately it's to get people to recognize the sheer amount of power they have within them to achieve anything that they want in their life and that their life is their fault, all the good and all the bad. Hmm. Yep. You are responsible, which is a good thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which is great, right? Because you can, you know, you can control that to some degree or you, you, it's right there. It's not outside of you. It's not something you have to hope for, rely on. It's just something you have to become aware of and then be willing to look at it. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you. I I really (laughs) enjoyed, um, yeah, seeing like all of these really what, you know, I see to be like really beautiful, vulnerable layers of you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sweet. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thank you for sharing your, your stories. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm really excited when, when you come out to Austin for the formula one thing, I like, yeah. I, I will co I will go to this cause I see, <laughs> I see the pictures, the videos. Yeah. I'm like, that is cool. Like that is very cool. Chris. Chris went last year and I was I like, know. I was like, you were there. Yeah. Shit. I, I work it. So like, I'm always in the, um, in the garage, in the paddock area. Um, sometimes out on pit lane, we do some stuff too, for sure. But, um, but we're very much like in that paddock area. Um, so, uh, so I'm like, it's, it's hard to miss us. Yeah. It's hard to miss miss the sky team. Do you still like drive real fast in your car or not? So like, how was, how was this after getting done with racing? Like, how do you feel? Oh, I drive just as crazy. Yeah. Oh, more, more or less. Same, same, same. Same, same. same. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, do you I, uh, miss it? uh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I have like, I would say I can ruminate on it a little and have like fond memories, but I don't wish I was doing it. Um, but I ordered a Lamborghini Urus. So I think nice. that my speed will increase when I get that. Nice. Good. I think it's so fast. What do you think of the Teslas? What do you think of the plaid? Yeah, they're super fast too. I drove one of the like, <clears throat> as a car it was kind of like the sport run it's like whatever the higher end um performance tesla car was um 
God, they're, you know, they just, they're so linear. So like the way that they accelerate and decelerate, there's no like, uh, right. it's just, yeah. and then when you lift off the gap, off the throttle, it's, it's like even a rubber if you band. don't hit the brake, like everything is so like, is always going up or down. It's very linear. And so, um, and it's acceleration and deceleration. So yeah, they're, they're, they're great. I just think that, um, going from, uh, a gas powered car to a battery powered car to me is just digital analog. Like it's just, once you make the shift, I don't, I don't, they don't drive similar enough. I think that once you drive electric, I think that's kind of your car or that's how I see it. And maybe it's just cause I'm more sensitive to the feelings and sensations of a car, but, um, but I still prefer gas cars. What do you think the most overrated car is? Are you, are you, you don't care about cars that much, do you? I don't care about cars that much, but Overrated car, honestly, it's probably what I got. <laughs> I think the Range Rover is overrated. Why is the Range Rover? So sorry, I, they probably wanted to sponsor me. <laughs> um, I just think of so many people have them, but there's so many issues, like electronically and. You know, like my windshield, like I don't know if that thing is made of butter or a magnet to rocks, but I've gone through, I've lived out in Arizona for um, 18 years. And until I brought this Range Rover out here two years ago, I had never chipped a windshield to the point I needed to replace or even bad enough to even notice. And I've gone through like four and I'm sitting with one that looks like a literal bullet hole that just hasn't like shattered yet. It hasn't like run. Um, So I just... That's just what I think. I just, they're, they're, they're kind of like, okay, across the board, you know, they look good. They drive. Okay. They, you know, they, they're just like, there's, there's, you know, I just don't think that they're justified. It's not justified why so many people have them. Yep. Cool. Um, I know. God, I'm not normally negative, but I. No, it's okay. That's good. I I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, Are there any other questions I should ask you before we, before we we wrap up? (laughs) Um, I don't know. No, you, I mean, I loved our deep dive into like, you know, personalities and men and women. I think that stuff's so fascinating. It's such a, such a, such a topic with so, so little, so little clarity in a solid scientific way. It's more just feeling into that. That's the thing I was listening. I was reading, I was doing research about leukemia yesterday, oddly. Um, and, as I was looking it up, that was like, it's considered idiopathic, which is like a lot of things are idiopathic. It just means like, we don't know. It just kind of happens. You know, maybe it's like, and like junk DNA. It's like, or like dark right, exactly. energy. We're just like, if we don't know what it is, just give it a cool name, like junk. Or yeah, dark. you exactly. You put a polysyllabic sciencey, sciencey <laughs> term. You're like, okay, I think we did the work like idiopathic, yeah. like cool. That sounds idiopathic, good. idiopathic. I get it. <laughs> but, but within that, it's interesting hearing the, you know, the, the doctors and the scientists and whatnot, talking about it and they're really good with talking about the mechanics of physically what you're looking at Mm -hmm. but doesn't there's it's just there's a a limitation there's like a complete barrier between entering into anything that could possibly smell of some typing like emotional pattern or something from like and and it's like we just have possibly stem from something energetic it has to be biological yeah, you know, and it's such an interesting thing when you, when you get into that, mm-hmm. you know, the the what do they call it, the psycho neuro 
endocrine. Well, what is it called? Neuro, neuropsych, neuropsycho, neuropsychoendocrinology, the relationship between the neuro and the psycho and the endocrine. Yeah. And, you know, like all of like, they're all one thing. Dude, nothing is separate. Yeah. And, you know, so if a person, you know, like the smell or, or the composition of a person's sweat, if they go skydiving is completely different than that. If they're just like exercising, the composition of yeah. a person's tears, if they're sad is completely different than that. If they get, you know, just they're cutting an onion. Yeah. You know, and it's like we, like we are always producing ourselves in based off of what's happening through the, you know, our, our, our deeper internal experience. But yeah. in the Western model, the allopathic model of medicine, it's like just not there. It's like, like, it's like a missing space. And that was the thing that stood out to me as I was like, as I was looking into it. Well, and um, yeah. it opens up a lot of space, especially when you do start getting into these places of like, you start to acknowledge the, the, the realness of, um, held trauma that the mm-hmm. body inevitably probably holds. It's there's like complex PTSD is another term that I'm, I'm learning about, you know, mm-hmm. recently as well, where it's not like exactly like you went to war, but you just, you know, you didn't feel well, love energy growing up and we're anything. just energy. We're just energy. And so when an, when an event takes place that you have a dysregulated reaction to, or, or, a or an or an emotional reaction to yeah it's just energy and that information gets stuck yeah so yeah. like when we just realize that we're just energy and we're not matter we are not solid matter when we know that and we know we're energy that's why our the field is informing us all the time that's what it's intuition that's energy that's vibes that's all those things like that's me going to Tulum and feeling feminine energy. It's just there's information in the field yeah. and there's information in the body. They're not separate. They interact. Just yeah. levels of density. Yeah. The, the analogy that's coming up in my head is if you were playing a flute then you put like a stone into the flute, it would augment yeah. the sound. Yeah. And those like deep held, yeah. perhaps, you know, dense, compacted yeah. parts that we might hold within ourselves from God knows how long ago when we were babies or teenagers or whatever, you know, whatever age, but mm-hmm. that part that went, it like contracted down and braced and it mm-hmm. was never processed. It was never assessed. It just sat. And then you kept moving forward. I think that that could almost be likened to like a stone in the flute. And mm-hmm. now forever your song, you're still making sounds. Mm-hmm. It just sounds a little kind of like mm-hmm. incongruent, a little like it's, it's like a, it's like a little off, off pitch, off tune. And yeah. you're doing all this stuff to the outside of the flute and you're painting, you know, fire, fireballs on the flute or, you know, whatever you're doing, you're, you know, some Native American song thing on the side of the flute, but it's still, there's still a stone in the flute. Yeah. So in, yeah. A t- and, in, 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 in a much of, uh, yeah, I think the, like the, the stew that we're, we come up in, in Western medicine, like we're not really uh, equipped to address those deeper possible you know metaphysical stones that we yeah. almost inevitably are carrying to some degree and i and I, I i become very curious when we do have these idiopathic diseases that manifest themselves my sense is typically it's probably some type of deeply held emotional pattern yeah. that we just don't well, have the just, tools to examine we don't have the technology to prove it you know and so we're just not into we're not connected to you know that in energy the intuition the not everyone's buying into the the quantum field and all of the things like so and people want to know for sure and so 
until we start to trust our own bodies and our own intuition more to like solidify that truth that it exists. Like I'm sure there's things like, you know, it's crossed my mind. Like I totally believe in energy and I totally believe that cancer and many diseases are, are energetic and that it's a dysregulation. I think there's still totally space for certain toxic things to enter our body because that's just a form of interaction with the body. But, but there can be a lot of it that comes from, from energy. And, you know, it's crossed my mind. Like, what if that was me one day and I was crossing that bridge of how do I want to deal with this? It's like, oof, like I would need, you know, like you'd want, (laughs) it's hard to not go the classic route to give yourself like the, the traditional path of healing, even if, Someone like me who totally believes that there's so much energy behind it and that you've probably got something deep in there that needs to be revealed and dealt with, like, it'd still be hard for me to go that other route because you got to believe. And, you know, we're still not as a, as a human race to that point where we're super connected with the self to the level that we can figure these things out on our own. Yeah. Well, there's value in both. I think it's the thing like there's uh, if a person gets overly Eastern, they can get lopsided in that direction. If they get overly Western, they're lopsided in that direction. Really the sweet spots right in the middle. And that's, I think that, you know, all the same stuff we started off talking about masculine and feminine. I think like masculine and feminine are more powerful together um, as an individual, as a dyad, yeah. as a, you know, whatever, whatever formulation of relationship, yeah. you know, you, you have. Um, and I think the same concept with those like softer, more listening parts of like, Oh, what's going on at a deeper level, you know, along with, Oh, we've got instruments, you know, and we'll go through and we'll, we'll, we've got techniques. You know, so both, yeah. I think both are really amazing. It's just the, yeah, the, the yeah. bridge parts are really good. Um, well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank I, you. I enjoyed this. Fun, I enjoyed this very much. Um, where is the best place to, to point people from, from here? You have, you have book, you have sure. podcast, you have other things. Yeah. You have yeah, wine. A few years ago, about- yeah, my podcast is to- to- totally my passion. I de- my self, my selfish indulgence into all the fascinating topics that cross my mind on a daily basis. I don't watch the news; I watch YouTube, and I just like learn shit all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. I have to sometimes remind myself to just listen to music every now and again. Um, but uh, yeah, my podcast. I have two wines. I have um, Somnium, which is in Napa Valley. Um, vineyard. And then I have Danica Rosé, which is a French rosé. Um, yeah, a candle company called Voyant. Um, so you can kind of go go to my Instagram or go to websites and find all that stuff. And I will get I will get a candle Aww. right the freak now. What is it Aww. called? What's the, what's the website? Voyant. V-O-Y-A-N-T. Amazing. I'm like, I'm actually, I was literally going to buy candles on Amazon. Oh, that's cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, they're in wine glasses. So then when you're done, you have like a little wine glass. Um, but they're they they I curated these four candles for they're they're curated for different spaces in the house based on their energetic properties. Um, but they they after I went to Egypt and learned so much about scents and oils and the power of them on the biological on the body and the mind. Um, yeah, I came up with these four candles. So oh, thank amazing. you. Yeah, I just bought a Lalabo candle. For the first mm, time, those are nice. apparently those are supposed to be. That's like an indication of niceness. So I got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank you.
right. Uh, well, well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed you're getting, welcome. Getting, getting to connect again. Um, thank you all for tuning in. That is it. That is all. See you next week. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Por favor, subscribe to this program so you get each week's episodes. And I uh, appreciate you guys doing you. Appreciate you sharing. Uh, appreciate the reviews. Thank you to Gary Aloff for leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. I read it in the beginning. And uh, if you want to share this on social media, you can tag myself at Align Podcast. And you can also tag Danica at Danica Patrick. That is it. That is all. Appreciate you. Big love. I'll see you soon.